Hello, and welcome to Trails Podcast, our show about all things Salesforce. Trails Podcast is brought to you by Hute, Salesforce DevOps platform for game-based development. Learn more about Hute by going to our website, hute.io. Hello, and welcome to Trails Podcast. Our guest today is Rupert Meyer, founder at IPfolio and CFO at USolar. Hey, Rupert. Hey, Vlad. Great having you on the show. Rupert, first of all, could you please tell us about your journey with Salesforce as a founder of IPfolio? Sure, and thanks for having me. Yes, I was working in the field of intellectual property management, which is a niche of enterprise software. You know, when you think enterprise software, you typically think the big ones, CRM, HR, finance management. But there is myriad of niche solutions for all corners of what, what a company does, right? There is contract management and there is IT inventory management and there's dozens or hundreds or maybe even thousands more areas. And one of those less known areas is intellectual property management, how companies manage their patents and their trademarks and their trade secrets and other ways of protecting their IP, their intellectual property. And yeah, I had been in that field. We were doing traditional enterprise software. And when I came to the US, that was about 10 years ago in 2010, I saw that everything is moving to the cloud, even in those more traditional niches of enterprise software. And I thought, okay, there must be a better way to do this, to build this kind of software, to deliver it, to not have to build everything from scratch. There must be platforms of some kind that would allow it that have already solved the basics that you need you need document management you need some workflow you need reporting you need strong user permissions and so on and so i went researching and uh, played around and i found salesforce and i thought oh wow this might be it the force.com platform as it was called at the time this is pretty cool Right. and so i'm just curious you know when picking and figuring out how to build the ipfolio product and when you picked Salesforce, what were the pros and cons? And if you were considering other options, what really made you go with Salesforce? Yeah. One great thing was that I could start tinkering without having to pay anything. I got a free developer license and I started to basically put a minimal viable product together. And the amazing thing was I was able to do that without any programming. So I created my custom objects, my patent and my trademark and my contract and all the stuff you, you need around IP management. And then I created my custom fields and then I created some reports and then I had a pretty dashboard that showed you all the patents and the trademarks that you have and all the money that you're spending and making on it better than any of the traditional solutions that I had known because in that market, uh, yeah, most of the solutions were really weak on reporting and no one had a fancy dashboard. So within a week or two, I had built something that at least on that aspect was better than anything that was out there. And I thought, oh, wow. So of course, we'd have to do some real development at some point, building APIs and building more robust components of the UI. But for a basic application, for a basic record and workflow management tool, I was able to build it all by point and clicking. And that pretty much had me sold that I said, okay, I'm going to try this. I might run into 
I didn't think at the time that IP folio would scale all the way to the big enterprises. I thought of it more as a lightweight tool, as a easy, simple and low cost solutions for smaller companies who couldn't afford the traditional enterprise software offerings that were out there. But I thought for that, this is it. This is it. It's, it, it's almost too easy. Right. Yeah, that makes all sense. And uh, uh, so how did the product evolve? And what I'm curious about is how did you go about building the product team? How did the product develop on Salesforce? Which roles did you hire for? And did you face any challenges building the product on Salesforce? Yes, it was. I think the theme for me is it was almost too easy until the point came where it wasn't because we really continued with that minimal viable product approach. We did relatively little engineering. I basically built a software company without having a real software development team or process. That worked great for too long until it didn't. <laughs> but uh, of course, it allowed me to bootstrap the company for several years. It was really just me defining the product. I mean, I'm a kind of an amateur programmer. I know how software works and I can instruct the developers who actually write the code. So for the first few years, we just had a couple of outsourced contract developers based in India. There are companies that specialize on doing that kind of outsourced Salesforce product development. They call them product development outsourcers, I think, PDOs. And so Salesforce recommended a company to us and we were pretty happy with them. And for several years, I built the product with just the help of one programmer. And then we added another programmer and then a third and we got really good traction. We got amazing um, customers here in Silicon Valley. We were at the right time with the right product. Every, there were a lot of up-and-coming companies like Dropbox and Zynga and Square and Facebook and, and GoPro. Many of them were cloud companies, cloud-first companies, right? No one wanted to put up with the clunky old, many of them still client-server offerings for IP management. And so they saw this cloud-based Salesforce solution and they loved it, although it was pretty simple. And they said, okay, we're going to buy it. So we scaled to, I think, probably almost 100 customers or so in those first few years, still without having a real development team. And then only when we got truly into the enterprise segment, where, of course, there, if, if once you sell to start selling to really big, established, more traditional companies, they have way more traditional requirements. And also the just amounts of data that we had in each customer database were getting bigger and we were hitting certain limits in Salesforce. And we were just hitting that breaking point where, yes, at some point you need a real development process. And I was fortunate enough to then find someone who could build that and who could bring things in-house and really set us up with a proper development methodology and all the tools around it, continuous integrations. That's how we ended up becoming the first Huta customer because, yeah, we at that point, as badly as we had been doing things in the first year, uh, in the first few years, then we once we figured out how to do things well, we wanted to do them really well. And I think we then, within a few years, built a true state-of-the-art Salesforce development lifecycle and organization. And I think today the development team is 
product and development team is 60 people or so. So yeah, it has evolved a lot from these early days. Yeah, right. That makes all sense. And that's very impressive, you know, how you basically leveraged all the pros of the Salesforce platform, you know, maxed it out and then obviously moved to a traditional software development lifecycle. Don't miss the following Trails podcast episodes and articles. Subscribe to our newsletter at huta.io slash trails. So you mentioned that you did have a lot of traction and obviously, you know, the, the GTM uh, for IP follower took off very well. What I'm wondering about is how did being a Salesforce ISV influence that or help was that? Were the companies that you were selling to interested in sort of like the stack, the platform behind the product? Was it easier to sell really because you were running on Salesforce? Yes, I would say it was an indirect benefit because when we got on into the Salesforce ecosystem, that was 2010, Salesforce was a billion dollar revenue company and they were starting to really promote the app exchange and promote this idea that companies could run their entire enterprise software stack on Salesforce. They would have the CRM at the heart, but then they would have HR management, I think Salesforce had just acquired an HR company at the time that didn't really end up becoming a big part of their offering. But then you have your service desk and maybe you have your finance, financial force was already big. And then you would have a contract management and maybe a whatever, and even an IP management solution just plugged into that. And so that for us, of course, was a great vision to have to become part of an ecosystem where companies would just start plugging us in because the easiest, once you are built, once as a company, you have a Salesforce stack and a Salesforce first architecture, you would always default to finding Salesforce-based solutions for all sorts of problems, even niche problems. However, that did not end up happening. Although Salesforce grew fantastically and the app exchange grew and the ecosystem grew, I think our little niche was just a little bit too exotic and too far away from CRM because Salesforce still at the core is CRM. And once you have CRM, you add maybe document automation, you add a document, a DocuSign plugin, or Conga is one of those companies that grew really big because everyone needs more sophisticated document generation. Or you add marketing where Salesforce started uh, um, doing a lot of acquisitions or you add configure price quotes. So all these things are natural add-ons to the CRM. But patent and trademark management is so far removed within the companies, right? The salespeople who run the CRM or the sales ops people, they don't even know what a patent is. The patent people in the legal department don't even know what a CRM is. So we, we never got that. We never got, I don't think, we never closed a deal that resulted from a, a lead in the app exchange. So the, the app exchange was zero in terms of lead for us. And I was always a little bit envious of these other solutions that you just could um, sort of tag on to Salesforce. But coming back to the, the indirect benefit, it did turn out to be an ever-growing benefit that Salesforce was just gaining so much momentum and becoming the cloud company especially on the question of security. So when you're a small software vendor and people, and then you're asking your customers to put something into the cloud that they consider very valuable, such as their patents, their inventions, you get a lot of security questions and concerns. And for us, it was always, hey, we're building on Salesforce and look at their 
SOC2 report and their data center report and their trust.salesforce.com and all these news articles about how great and how secure Salesforce is. And then think about it, how critical in terms of security this CRM data really is that people are putting in Salesforce, right? If someone steals your invention from today that might result in a product in five years, it's still going to be hard for them to copy your product. But if someone steals your latest proposal to a customer and they put out the exact same proposal and just undercut you by 5%, they'll put you out, they can put you out of business. So we started finding the right line of argumentation to alleviate the security concerns. You know, lawyers tend to be rather risk averse, always concerned about security. But when we told them, well, think about it, think about a patent versus a sales proposal, what's actually the bigger security risk of getting into your competitor's hands? And they got that. And then also dealing with the um, IT departments, that's the next one, right? If you sell a traditional sort of niche solution and you ask them, oh, you have to set up uh, your uh, SQL server or you buy Oracle, you have to buy Oracle licenses, you have to run it in-house. That became a no-go in the last 15 years. So everyone wants to move to the cloud. But then, of course, yeah, even think about APIs, for example. They want to integrate this, this solution with other stuff they, they have in-house. And if you build your SaaS solution from scratch, typically you don't have strong APIs because that's not top of the wish list. So with Salesforce, we had all of that. Yes, we have all the security. Yes, we have enterprise grade backup and mirroring. Yes, we have super robust APIs. Yes, there are standard integrations even to standard products like Workday or other enterprise packages where they can stream stream data in and out. So those really became the more compelling arguments, mostly on the IT and security side, but also even for some users, because even in the legal world, which is far away from the CRM world, some people had experience with Salesforce-based solutions. Some had worked with Financial Force. Some had worked with contract management systems based on Salesforce. So for some users, it was, oh, yes, this looks familiar. Oh, yes, I like this UI. Oh, yes, even pre-lightning. Oh, I love how you can easily filter lists, for example. Oh, I love the reporting and dashboards. So both of these factors, I think, were pretty big. And, and I think overall, I just call it standing on the shoulders of a giant. I think with all this underpinning, all this foundation that Salesforce gives you, all these aspects that I just talked about, you can start as a small software company and yeah, check a lot of the boxes that buyers are looking for from big companies, like the security, stability, and so on. Yeah, that makes all sense. Well, thanks for sharing. Super insightful. So you exited, you ended up exiting IPfolio to Clarity, right? And I have a couple of questions here. First of all, I'm very curious to hear about the story of the acquisition. How did it happen? How did the idea arise on both ends? But also very curious about the acquisition due diligence process, which is, which is probably the most the hardest, right, and the most time-consuming part of any software acquisition process. And I'm curious if being a Salesforce ISV speed up the due diligence or help or influence the due diligence somehow. Yeah, that is an interesting question because when you sell to a traditional software company, having built on Salesforce might not immediately be an advantage because a lot of traditional software companies have traditional software thinking, oh, we've built all this software, we have the greatest stack, we have the greatest hosting, 
And Salesforce, oh, it's kind of proprietary. It's its own programming language. You have to pay Salesforce royalties. We don't want any of that. How would we integrate this Salesforce piece into what we already have? So I think it can become a hurdle. In our case, yeah, we got all these questions, but I think it ended up becoming an advantage because we didn't really sell to a software company. We sold initially to a services company because in the world of patents and trademarks, the software and the services are very complementary. When you file patents and trademarks, you have to get them filed, you have to get them translated, you have to renew them, you have to file them in all sorts of countries. So this is this whole service provider ecosystem, which is many times larger in terms of overall revenue than the software. But the software is kind of a platform and an enabler. So if you have um, company access 10,000 patents in your software, it's easy to build integrations to click a button and do the translation, click a button to do the filing in Chile, and so on. So that's really the value. And so typically in our space, the software companies have all been acquired by these larger service providers. And the service provider that bought us, they knew Salesforce because they were using it as a CRM in-house and they found it quite intriguing how we were running all our operations, our provisioning a new customer instance and doing, yeah, doing various things operationally on Salesforce, how Salesforce was kind of the operating system for our company, not only the hosting platform for our product. So I think they ended up being pretty intrigued by that and really buying into it. And also just seeing our market success compared to all the old solutions, the legacy plays in our market. They must have seen there's something there. And then the same things that helped selling to enterprise IT departments also helped selling the business because they didn't have to have concerns about security, about hosting, about redundancy, about, well, what if your server goes down? No, the server has never gone down in seven years because it's on Salesforce. And these guys really know how to run their servers. So, so I think it all became advantages. We were in the, when we started, we were still in the process of really building out our software development cycle. So for example, we were far from having every customer on the same version. So we had, we had this chart in Salesforce that showed, um, it was a donut chart, and it showed all the colors, all the different customers who were all on all the different versions. And it was all over the place. And so that raised some concerns but we were able to demonstrate that we are on the path to consolidate and become better with our version and release management and eventually have every customer on the same version, which we achieved maybe half a year later or so. So I think overall, being on Salesforce was more of an advantage than any disadvantage in that process as well. And so that service provider then got swallowed up by a 10 times larger service provider, which then was sold to Clarivate. So my last three years with IPfolio were every year there was a, yeah, basically a new acquisition every year, becoming part of a new world and a new environment every year, going from a small bootstrap company to a small growth-oriented private equity-held company to then being part of a large, more retention and margin-oriented private equity held company and then finally being part of a publicly traded truly global company with over 10,000 people so those were super interesting experiences but the greatest thing was to see ipfolio thrive 
And then there was quite of a roll-up going on in our market. So many of our competitors got acquired as well and suddenly in a way became internal competitors about which system would prevail within the larger company. And yeah, IPfolio basically came out on top by being the Salesforce-based solution. Really, I think that was always, I call it the best business decision I ever made was building on Salesforce. And through all the years, obviously we did a few things right to build a successful product and company, but the number one, the foundation for all the success to this day really is, I think, having built it on Salesforce. And today, if you look up Clarivate stock, which hasn't been <laughs> doing great in the last year because along with all the other tech stocks, it, it, it got hammered and it's just slowly recovering. But if you look up the stock and you see the news below the stock symbol, the first one is um, IPfolio is being adopted by Mitsubishi Electric, which is one of the largest patent holders in the world, I think top five. So IPfolio really is thriving as a, as a small mosaic piece of a much bigger company. And that is fantastic to see even from the distance. Wow, that's super impressive, Rupert. Well, thank you so much for sharing and very, very insightful. And so what are you up to these days, Rupert? What are you working on? Huh, glad you asked. So yeah, after deciding to retire from Clarivate, after I felt like I had everything, everything was set up and the company and the product and the team were had, had settled in and were doing well within Clarivate, I decided that it's time for me to look at other things. And I started to do a little bit of angel investing. And then I started being drawn to clean tech, which had its kind of revival as, as climate tech in the last few years. That is obviously a huge thing, a huge challenge for all of us, a big, the biggest problem probably of our time to solve. And so I decided to yeah, completely pivot my career to climate tech and look for something in that space. And then ended up joining, first advising, and then joining full-time recently, a California-based solar battery startup called U-Solar. A friend of mine here in the Bay Area started it. And yeah, we'll help make the planet cleaner and greener. And that's a great challenge for the second half of my career. That's amazing, Rupert. Well, good luck on that. Thank you. Thanks, Rupert. Cheers. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Trust Podcast is brought to you by Hute, Salesforce DevOps platform for Git-based development. You can learn more about Hute by going to our website, hute.io.